1: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: All right, we is recording and... Crumbs. You know what? I actually forget how to do this, you know. All right, okay. all right three two one it's always
3: good when you start the podcast and your producer starts it by saying i've forgotten how to do this
2: <laughs> uh wait a minute that didn't do anything all right one minute
4: what happened
3: what's that music
2: I've, I've, i think i've messed up here
0: hi I'm Alexandra Banitsa, Lukanka, Sofia, Gwyvec, Tanyub. Quick, marry me before Brexit. Fucking. <laughs> 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 Viktorova. Uh, hi. I'm Alexandra Banitsa, Lukanka, Sofia, Gwyvec, Tanyub. Quick, marry me before Brexit, Viktorova. But you can call me Lexi. When I'm not strawberry-picking, getting English lessons from Kirsty, working in Grey Gables, getting taken up Lakey Hill by Roy, or carrying Ian and Adam's baby, I like to listen to dum dum hell, that's a mouthful. <laughs> we'll do it again.
1: This podcast is a Roy Field-Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
0: All right. Yeah, I know. Dum is dum Dumpty
2: dum Dumpty dum Dumpty dum Dumpty Dumpty dum dum Dumpty 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 dum Dumpty dum Dumpty 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 dum dum Dumpty dum Dumpty dum ti dum ti dum Dumpty dum the dum ti 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 dum the dum ti dum ti dum ti dum ti dum ti dum 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 by Toby with a pair of pliers. That is? Lucy Freeman. And the last part of life in the Lambing Shed, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is collected from the voices of the Ambridge academics. We actually had visuals for this one, which we'll post on the Twitter feed and on the website, Lucy.
3: Oh, yes. Sorry, I forgot.
2: Yes. No, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I you don't like the website, do you?
3: I'm not very modern. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Says a woman who's speaking through Zencast, the 5,000 miles away from me, you know, co-hosting the show. Yes. I can't see this
3: internet thing catching on, to be honest, but anyway.
2: <laughs> Neither. Right, but listen, somebody yep. else <laughs> wants to uh, capture a whole load of greying Middle England, middle-aged Archers fans in a room singing a dum dum How can they do that?
3: That's a bit rude. If you would like to sing us a dumpty dumpty, dum, leave us a plot prediction. Loose, loose, loose.
2: Don't get me wrong, right? I'm 50 this year, but those people were (laughs) not in the first flush of youth on that video. There were lots
3: of young ones I could see. Really? Yes.
2: Hmm. Hmm you're being
3: ageist anyway if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum leave us a plot prediction or have a stand-up fight with a pension over paying for a pancake then call us on 02030313105 <laughs> or leave us a message on Speakpipe. thank you to cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the dumpty dogs Shambridge for her voices mike hatton for his character counts and to derek for in the back bedroom uh derek is very very upset about kfc running out of chicken as that is his go-to romantic restaurant, um, buys <laughs> Auntie Cardboarder large fries and she dips his nuggets.
2: <laughs> That's quite good. I think you'll find the nuggets is McDonald's, but uh, you know, I, I don't have pick holes in, in actually um, <laughs> your gag, because it's a very good gag. Did I tell you about a month ago, six weeks ago, I walked into a KFC in Oakland and there was only one person behind the counter. Have we had this conversation? No. Yeah. Only one person behind the counter. And there was like a whole world of people. So he was like taking the money, then running back to Deep Fat fr- fryer, coming back, whatever. And I thought it was odd, but I didn't really think about it. And to be fair to him, he's working incredibly fast. And I walked out of there. Typically, for me, I had my headphones on because I was listening to a podcast. And this broke was kind of gesturing to me you Know and, and talking, so I went, oh, uh, so I took my headphones off. And he said, It's outrageous, everybody's refused to come to work. He's the only person that turned up to work that day because they're all complaining about their pay or, or lack of. He was the one person who was manning the whole of the KFC, and there was easily 15 people, and he was serving the lot. Yeah,
3: well, was it a strike, or were they just being bolsheed?
2: I I I don't know. I kind of was too busy talking. Because if it was chicken, a strike, then he,
3: he's a scab. But well, if, <laughs> if it wasn't a strike, and they're just being rotten, then that's not. That's a bit mean for him, isn't it?
2: I don't know, and I didn't engage my brain, and I was just chewing down on my chicken drumstick or my chicken breast, whatever the heck it was. It's only when I got in the car and drove off did I actually think exactly what you said. I went, wait on a minute, and basically what the guy said to me was, he said it's not right because they're, you know, they only get fourteen dollars an hour. Now, in and of itself, that is not bad money for america but it's not great for the bay area because the bay area is expensive as london
3: yeah
2: you know so so, they're not
3: going to get tips are they
2: in a fast food place well well this is it but yeah i suspect anyway that that's my kfc story and i haven't been back since and i and i've kfc like once a year if that but i was on this kind of eat carbs kick which i know is isn't great to go to kfc but i was driving past and you know, and uh, the Colonel called me in, so to speak. On this week's episode, we have calls from Mae with us spoon, Claire and Catherine. But first, before the calls, the talk of Wakanda forever. It's Lizzie Freeman and a week in Ambridge. Oh, that's what I'm saying. All right, this is what I'm saying. I <laughs> I'm doing anymore. You get into the script and then you forget <laughs> to do this. <laughs>
3: Well, I never thought I'd be listening to the archers omnibus and hear the words, get hold of the testicles and pop them all the way through. He won't mind you touching them. (laughs) (sighs) No, it wasn't Adam and Ian making a last-ditch attempt to get pregnant naturally. It was Toby in the lambing shed with Eddie. Castrating the lambs, I mean, not just exploring that side of their sexuality. It was a frosty morning at church as the warring Grundys and Carters joined to share brotherly love and passive-aggressive taunts. Alan preached a sermon about the good Lord providing, but somehow Susan managed to hear the parable of Get On Your Bike by St. Norman Tebbit. (laughs) Toby did the lambing and nothing died, we don't think. He's really got to grips with life in the lambing shed. He's got the ewes doing aqua aerobics. He's found them all doulas and he's giving them lavender oil neck massages. If I was Pip, I'd be worried the second she goes into labour, he'll be there with a coil of rope and a testicle clip rubbing her down with straw. Brian was dithering over whether or not he should fall on his culvert and resign his chairmanship of the BL board. Piggy went to see him and it was either raining or Brian was in the shower, which must have been a bit of a shock when a furious little nonagenarian banged on the cubicle just as he was rubbing on the radox and wondering whether his yield was getting smaller. Peggy was outraged at Brian's cowardice. Take a leaf out of my book, Brian, said Peggy. You must stick to your guns, even if you are completely wrong. It all started going adrift when Brian was trying to relax and found some of Kate's special tea. He made a big pot of it and then became completely paranoid. He was hiding behind the chair in Annabelle's office, convinced that Justin was out to get him, muttering about, Jerry wants to get my job, Annabelle wants to get my job, they're all after me. Then he came home and ate three doughnuts and felt a bit better. Just in time for the BL meeting, which resulted in Justin saving Brian's arse, but it does now mean that Justin has Brian's wrinkly old balls in a vice tighter than Toby <laughs> and his pliers in the lambing shed. <laughs> Susan is job hunting. There's not a lot out there for someone like me, she said. I've checked and hardly anyone's looking for a rude, indiscreet, self-aggrandizing, bossy boots prone to giving medical advice based on no scientific knowledge whatsoever. Susan, actually, I have the perfect job for you. GP's receptionist. There's three at my surgery and they're all like you. In one of those completely (coughs) desperate (coughs) surprise party that doesn't work out so the people doing it end up having it themselves, storylines, beloved of sitcoms throughout history, Nick and Joe ended up having a romantic meal for two. Well, I say romantic. It was allegedly cannelloni. It involved gammon, cheddar cheese, and cider. Cannelloni, my arse. It was a toasty. It was about as Italian as Roy Tucker. Over at Ambridge View, Neil had got confused and thought he was a waiter. He appeared at Susan's elbow and said, how was everything with your meal? I thought, anyway, now he's going to I'll me back in a second with the card machine. I got a bit confused on the hunt. Philip asked where Charlie had gone and Shula said he'd run towards the cops. For one berserk moment, I thought Charlie Thomas was back and there was some sort of vigilante manhunt going on and he was rushing to harassment for help, then realised it was all coconutting nonsense. After the rumble in the bull, Nick's been given the old heave-ho by Jeline. Oh, no, said Will. That is awful. You'll have to be at home all day making treacle puddings and looking after the children and darning my welly socks. And I'm so, so unhappy about that. Why don't you go and have a word with Helen Titchener? She could tell you how to make proper custard. <laughs> in a wildly misjudged idea, Emma, who'd got Nick fired in the first place, went round to Greenwood Cottage in her Watt tyler mode and said she'd put in a good word for her at the tea rooms. Understandably, Nick told her to shove it up her upcycled raffia work, but with her mother's total inability to know when to back off, Emma was hauled away by Ed, still ranting on that she wasn't going to give in and that she'd completely forgive Nick for forcing her to get the sack from the bull. "'What's grand knitting?' asked Pip. "'Every time I see her, she hides her needles.' Just after she's pulled them out of the eye sockets so of that little knitted effigy of Toby. <laughs> now, for those of you from overseas, it is a Welsh thing that people are called after their job. Jones the milk, Evans the Post, etc. Krusty's new love interest is a builder, so I think Philip the Screw will do admirably. <laughs> they sat outside together pretending to watch birds, but it was basically dogging with binoculars, from what I could tell. Peggy decided to take Auntie Cardboard and Jill out for a celebratory crap. That's what my spell check says anyway, and who am I to argue with it? Ian had done Mm -hmm. a special crap menu for Shrove Tuesday, apparently. It all got a bit orcs at the end, as Auntie Cardboard wanted to pay for everyone's crap, and eventually everyone let her after a lot of shrill shouting. But it was fine. It's Ambridge, after all. We're all used to dealing with crap. The end.
2: Oh, well done. I I enjoyed that this week. Um, Luce. Yes. Right. Um, I'm distracted. I did listen to The Archers last week. But you know what I yes. also did? Take a wild guess.
3: Um, I don't know. Oh, You went to see that film, didn't you?
2: That film. That film, whatever it's called. Panthers. Panthers. The Pink Panther. The Black yeah, that, Panther. That's the one. The Pink Panther. I, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, there was this little girl in the queue who was in this pink onesie. And I thought she's got it all wrong but, <laughs> but she's actually just in her pajamas you know I, right. I don't know about that type of parenting actually you know she, no. she her rugs well, I want on. to go
3: out so i don't care whether my children mm. are exhausted or not because i want to go and see something
2: yes yeah, yeah no but uh, no so uh, she was in, in right film but you know talk talk about an event right the buzz on thursday was just awesome Right. Mm. So I was in the in in the foyer. No, before you even get into the foyer. So you're queuing up. People just tap you on the shoulder. Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you excited Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, you
3: can tell you're in America. It wouldn't bloody happen here, would it? Well, everyone just stand there in silence moaning about the long queue.
2: Well, according to my black friends. That watched it in the UK. They said it was <laughs> rather similar.
3: One of your best friends, black. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> so I finally got in, and then I was like queuing up for a beer, and this guy just tapped my shoulder and said, "I am pumped like that. <laughs> 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 I, I am completely overexcited. I've been up. I'm not I've that time." It was just so funny. I was kind of burst out laughing. He says, "Aren't you pumped too?" Said, yeah. but it was just lovely seeing People all dressed up. He said,
3: "I am British. Yes, I am pumped. This is me pumped.
2: It Thank was, you." I, I, you know what? Lisa? I kind of basically did undercut him by saying something very similar. I says, "We don't do pumped where I'm from." <laughs> But no, no, no. We have, we have yeah. a
3: smattering of light applause. Yes. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. Um, right. Uh, last week in Ambridge. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm loving. I, I loved all of the Brian stuff with him going to, to the board. It, it reminded me a little bit of Dallas. You know. It was... <laughs>
3: yes. Yes. And as we always say, that Fry and Laurie sketch. Damn it, Marjorie. That one, the Fry and Laurie sketch where they keep banging the whiskey around. Yes.
2: Mm. Um, Loved (laughs) all of that. And I loved Peggy being all kind of like, you know, belligerent and like, nope, you know, have a backbone, man. Yeah. You know, do yeah. not buckle. You know, you've done nothing wrong. I'm not sure about that. Well, Peggy
3: does have form, but resolute. As I said in the monologue, resolutely sticking to her guns even when she's utterly to blame and totally wrong. <laughs> she's, still- <laughs> she's like, I'm not back. I know I'm wrong. I don't care. It's a matter of principle. Now I'm just going to be, just going to be, um, you know, belligerent and and and, um, and 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 intolerant for the bloody sake of it because I started, so I'll finish. <laughs>
2: yeah. no, I, I must admit, I did like that and the way that she you know stiffened the sinews of jennifer and you know and jennifer then kind of goes off
3: i did like her ringing him just before the meeting and mind you say this brian and don't let them say that
2: this philip character
3: yeah i didn't like the snogging in the bird hide that was all a bit um
2: mm, um would R. kirsty who's all an eco warrior and greener than green greener than swampy be up for a bloke that goes on the hunt
3: but he explained why, didn't he? Not this week, last week. Mm. He said it's about, um, it's about you know, it does a lot to protect the countryside and yada, no, yada, no. yada.
2: And I'm not against that as an explanation, but wouldn't she be a little bit more sceptical? Wouldn't he need to explain it a little bit more?
4: Um, Because...
3: Yes, yeah, maybe. But, you know, maybe she fancies the arse off him. You can forgive a lot, I think.
2: Hmm. Yes. Right, yeah. OK. Whatevs. OK, so uh, shall we go and see what the great dum de dum listening public have got to say about all the goings on last week yep. in the Archers? All right, then. Let's have a little bit of this then.
4: Hello, Ambridge3962.
2: Who's first, Lucy?
4: Maeve! Oh, she's back.
2: Right, now, Uh, core quality on this is not the best. Uh, That's because she's in a cupboard, though, to be fair. Oh, oh I thought it was the little I don't know why she's still
3: a little in I don't know why she's still in a cupboard, because all our children have left home. She used to go in the cupboard to hide from them. Mm. But they've all left home now, she said. But she's clearly she just finds comfort in the cupboard. And who are we to to, to <laughs> contest that? If that's what makes us. I happening. don't
2: know. It sounds like some domestic abuse going on, but in in the Maeve household there. But anyway, uh, here we go. Here's Maeve.
4: Hello, Hello, everybody. It's Maeve from uh, in the big press. Uh, but I'm in the small master actually, not the big press. Um, the kids have left home. Hey. Uh, that's another 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 long story. Anyway, the reason I'm ringing is is because I just want to express my um. Uh, Uh, hatred of Will. What a total arse. Uh, I think his and Nick's um, relationship is um, teetering on the brink of collapse. Um, I think that uh, Nick is very unhappy and um, her uh, being sacked by Jolene the snake um, (laughs) has probably going to tip her over the edge. And I think she'll get
3: probably... Probably, maybe heading into a storyline about depression,
4: I don't know. Anyway, I'd be depressed if I was married to, to, to Will, um, to say the least, and had a um, Damien esque stepson like uh, George. Anywho,
5: that's all I want to say. Hope everybody's well and uh, catch you later. Bye. Bye. Mm.
2: Goodness. That's a whole well, that place. But where the hell was she this time? The master, she said. But it's like... Oh, she's in the Mazda. I thought you meant she was in Asda. No, the Mazda.
3: Oh. Mm.
1: But
3: why was she whispering? Maybe there was someone on the back seat asleep. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: goes on in Maeve's life? This is... <laughs> Can I just say... Um, yes. Um, that I detest... Like everybody, I detest Will Grundy. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about the, the long character arc... Of all the, uh, the the plot points of the Will and Ed, uh, you know, um, Cain and Abel-like scenario. And the fact that they did a switcheroo, didn't they? It was always Ed that yeah. was the, you know, the wayward one and, and Will was nice and good and stable. And then they've done a switcheroo. And in the last couple of years... Well,
3: he's still stable. He's just horrible.
2: Well, yeah. He's just yeah, he's um, horrible. But he was the nice he? one. He was the nicer brother.
3: Well, not not. He was the respectable brother. Yeah, I'm going I way, way, way back.
2: You know, Ed was always wayward and was getting into scrapes and stuff and was a worry. Let's put it that way. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Yeah. My point is, in the last few years, after Ed shot the dog, yeah. they kind of had a bit of a quiet rapprochement, didn't they? And it was through their partners. Yeah. And they were kind yeah. of, you know, they weren't drinking buddies, but they were tolerating each other, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I love this return to hatred. I love it.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you are never happier than when <laughs> someone's battering seven bells out of someone else, are you? Well, it's, like, uh,
2: it's it's part of the firmament of of Ambridge. The two Grunty mm-hmm. brothers are not supposed to like each other, and I yeah. like the the tension at the core of it in that their partners were trying to get on, now they have fallen out and mm. and also I like the fact that Nick is so different from Emma that mm. she is, you know, this bundle of naivety with niceness, with a certain amount of shallowness being led by her evil husband. I love it. I love the whole setup, mm. Luce. Yeah, I love it.
3: Yeah, it's nice and complex. They're proper Absolutely. complex characters. They're not just
2: Absolutely.
3: one-dimensional.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: um, But it's interesting how many people have said on the Twitters this week um, that there are shades of Rob in what Will's doing and that he's trying to sort of undermine her and saying, oh, because the first thing he said was, oh, I never thought I'd be, oh, I wasn't expecting to have to cook the children's tea mm. because now you haven't got a job anymore, you know you can do what women are, basically you can do what women are supposed to do, which is stay yeah, at home and look after yeah, children. Yeah. And her yeah, and, uh, her sense of fury at, you know, she's oh, I'm in this house cooking dinner or doing laundry and that's it. And he's like, and the problem with that is what? you know? Yeah,
2: exactly. She so loses ideal. her job in the ball. And the first thing he says was, well, we don't need the money, you know. So,
3: yeah, you know, yeah.
2: Be, go, go home and be a good wife.
3: Yeah, I, yeah.
2: Ooh. Ooh, don't, don't like him, but I know. What a He's great character. A what a great character.
3: But partly, I think, uh, I think part of the problem is the way that the boys were brought up because they saw... Clary never compromised anywhere. She worked flat out doing about 18 jobs all at once to try and bail out the Grundy finances, Mm -hmm. but also would never dream of cooking something out of the freezer or oven chips or, you know. And it was always, given the chance, she would rather not work and she would rather stay at home and look after the children. And both boys just assume that's actually all women want to do because of Clary's example.
2: Mm I I think there's there's a lot of truth in that, and I know we had a call some months ago, and somebody said something remarkably similar. And then I think it was you. Can't remember who who then followed it up by saying, but you know, uh, Clary did do all these other jobs. But from Will's point of view, he's he's deeply, deeply, deeply conservative. Yeah. And. He just believes a woman's place is at home. And he would turn around and yeah. probably say, yes, my mum went out and did these other jobs. And, and you know, and she worked in, uh, she worked for um, the British Farm. And Archers, I always thought my
3: wife wouldn't have to. Exactly. That's and
2: that's the reason why yeah. I work so hard and I've got my own yeah. and I've been yeah. so well now. And he disassociates yeah. himself from... Um, past Grundy struggles that way, doesn't he? You know, look at me yeah. now type of thing. And yeah. he looks down yeah. at Ed about the fact that he can't do that for Emma, doesn't he? That, you know, Emma has to go out and have three jobs and it's because Ed's not pulling his weight, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, he yeah. exactly said that. You know, yeah. I, I love it. I didn't like all this, you know, Grundy boys starting to like each other stuff. Hated it. Back to form. Awesome.
3: Well, normally <laughs> normally what happens is we have a crisis Where something threatens either uh, Eddie or or Clary and then the boys pull together to save the family. Mm. Do you remember like last time when when Eddie was being threatened, there were poachers, weren't there, and they were worried about Eddie and so they went to go and help and then they sort of worked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it kind of, that's how it sort of, deals itself out this mm. this this scenario so we'll just have to see what happens next I bet it will be Joe dying won't it
2: stop it Joe, that's Joe's on the not going to die
3: we can't have this much reminiscing we've been through my Susan how they met we've got you know <laughs> it's, it's endless of
2: course he's going to cark it ever since Joe's been in the Archers which is the late 70s which I know is before you and I were listening but there never was a Susan was there Susan was always before
3: I think so. Yes. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know.
2: I, I'm almost positive. Uh, Dusty mm. or somebody who's got a longer vintage than either of us. If you could just call in next week and just confirm. But I don't ever think there was um, really a Susan. And it was also it was interesting. And I had to read up about this um, a couple of months ago. That when the Grundies were introduced, they were introduced as a family that was always there. Anyway, I just thought I'd just say that just because really. Uh, now, uh, shall we have another call? Are loose. Yes. Why not? Who do you want?
3: Um, Who's next on my list? Have you not got the list? All Why right, have I got I'll the list? I'll tell you
2: what, I'll just press this button, shall I?
3: Good
0: evening, dumb-to-dumbers everywhere. This is Catherine Rowan-Jones calling in from High Wycombe at 88 Ivy Fox on the Twitters. Firstly, I hope that nothing unpleasant has happened to any of the presenting team this week, all their pets. far <laughs> um, too many mishaps, really, been going on. Not nice for you. I'm calling in to talk about the contaminated land. I'm really enjoying this storyline. I think it's something that is unique to the soap opera, sorry, docudrama, um, that is Ambridge. (laughs) And uh, on the science programme, there's an interview with Graham Harvey, the agricultural editor. And based on this town is listening to Farming Today, it all sounds pretty potentially realistic. The other thing I'd like to call, talk about is Will. He's a total fucking arse, isn't he? He's worse. I really don't like how he's treating Nick. Um, and he's not bothering to hide it, which is maybe a good thing. That Somebody will pick up on it. Or he doesn't give a toss Don't like it um, I like her interactions With Joe. it's sweet I think she's seen just yeah. what a, a good Caring marriage can be And maybe she'll realise just What an utter fucking cock of a husband She's got <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> Draw the testicles Through the ring and pull tight I think I've heard instructions like that before But it certainly wasn't on radio <laughs> four. Love you, thank you For everything you do, you're wonderful <laughs> you bye bye.
2: I think she has the most amazing voice. There's a certain air of gangster's mole menace and, yes, world, it's ex- uh, and world weariness at the same time. And just yes. like if you bother yes, me, I yes, yes. will fuck you up type type of attitude. It sounds like the
3: crazy mum. <laughs> that's what we're going. <laughs> that was a lot I'm applauding the swearing as well. There's a lot of swearing in there. I like the it that's the second time that Will's been called an arse in two calls. Mm isn't bad going really, but uh, I think it's interesting though that i I don't think that you know as she said, um you know maybe he doesn't care, mm. I just don't think he has any awareness that he's doing anything wrong no, i
2: I think you you're completely right, you're completely right
3: it it he just doesn't have that level of insight at all, no. just nothing you know he's just uh, it, it the inside his head is just like an echoing void that's it, there's just no you know. Or, or like a child's railway set, where it just goes round and round and round. There's, no, there's nothing else. Is yes, the man's an idiot.
2: It's just occurred to me. He's so mm. evil. He's actually got no mates, has he? No, no. When they, when they were all teenagers, wasn't he mates with Roy?
3: Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, and it's just
2: when yes. you think about it, Will is completely utterly really isolated, other than. Um, he's a yeah, fan. but he
3: got to the age of 20. And then immediately just decided that he was going to be 42 and a mini, you know, desperate to, to be a mini Brian Aldridge sort of thing. Mm. It's, you know, he just oh, wants the to. The
2: way he kowtows to Brian.
3: Oh, I know.
2: Yeah. Talking on yeah. a bloody I'll, I'll
3: tug you, I'll change you, I'll tug you, I'll change your tyre. <laughs> didn't go that far, I don't think. Mm. I'm sure Brian suggested it, he would. I'll change your tyre, Jennifer, I'll do this. And he loves the fact he can call him Brian and Jennifer. Mm. And, you know, when, when, Silly old Nick said, they've been really good to us. I thought, no, they haven't. They're not at all. They've just treated you like an employee. They haven't abused you, but they haven't been really good to you. They've just employed you. That's it.
2: But I think from from Nick's point of view, remember there was that uh, the whole Farrago around the shoot and 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 Will kind of slightly got it in the neck about it and he was upset about it and Nick went to Jennifer and said, actually, Will didn't screw up. So there, there is, though it's definitely master yeah. and servant, there is a, a, a relationship. But yeah, there's just
3: this... Will has this desperate need for feudalism, doesn't he? That's the only way he feels <laughs> He feels vindicated is, is by, you know, having the, you know, I'm sure he'd, he'd be offering up Nick for the Dois de Seigneur given <laughs> half a chance. But I think...
2: Um, of, um... Lucy, that, that, that's the line of the show. <laughs> <laughs> there's a desperate need for feudalism. <laughs>
3: No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. And he can't stand it that Ed, who he sees as feckless and doesn't play the game and doesn't doesn't, you know, go along with feudalism, um, is is you know quite happy and trundling along. I mean, he's not great, but he's okay, you know. And that really annoys Will because in his in his universe, if you do not do, uh, if you do not follow the, the 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 you know if you get above yourself or you do not follow the predestined path that your class is supposed to make you stick to then it's, it's all going to go wrong and it serves you right
0: mm. Mm.
3: he can't bear the thing that it cannot bear about ed yeah, and what r- riles him is that not that ed is you know ed's got no money he's a, he but he's happy he, he ed can ed can find happiness in strange things and uh, just quiet quiet whoa, whoa, whoa. quiet ed very, really very minor things no that's what I mean he's not he's not happy all the time obviously but you know he's got a really good relationship with with Emma he and well that's the real problem that Will will never ever get over that
2: mm. to be fair to him though
3: he nearly uh. said it didn't he he nearly said it when he was having that chat with Nick when she was upset and he said Emma's jealous blah 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 and she said what do you mean and he said well because you're lovely and and you're nice, and you're a good mum, and you're this, and you're that, and that's why I, ch- and then he stopped the sentence and start, changed it, and he was going to say, that's why I chose
2: you. It has to be said, right, that if somebody who, look at it from Will's point of view, and, and, I, and you know, I don't want to look at anything from Will's point of view, but in this regard, you have to. He loved Emma, she had an affair with his brother, right? You're going to that's going to take you some time to really forgive and forget that. Yeah. You know, and so he's, and he's this like of the pair of them is rooted in a, of quite understandable human emotion, considering what happened. Just. Mm-hmm. just yeah. Saying, saying,
3: yeah. Saying. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Um, and just and just just whilst we're here, and I know you did mention it. I do. I, I know I'm a sentimental old fool, but I do like the Joe and the Nick stuff, mm. you know. And yeah. I do like the little insights that you do get to the, to, you know, to the Grundy household. You know, the fact that Joe was wanting to cook this meal for Clarynedy because we always think that Joe is just, you know, always on on the on the take on the ma- yeah, on the make. He's always, always something slightly dodgy, but actually, you know. He does. He does love his son and, and his daughter. I
3: I know. I know. I am the the cynical one of this uh, duo. Mm-hmm. But I was walking along through the forest, listening to that episode, and when he was talking about um, Susan, his wife Susan, and um, she was waiting, she'd been, she was waiting for some flash bloke, as he put it, to come and dance with her, and he never turned up. Yeah. Um. And my eyes filled up with tears as I was walking along. <laughs> The idea of them dancing in a cornfield and, her, and her, you know, uh, her heels sinking into the mud and everything. It was just very sweet. Mm.
2: No, you know, and, and we do get these, these beautiful moments, um, not just with the Grundys, but, you know, all scattered all, all throughout this. And, uh, you know, and they're well placed and well timed. Um, Sal, we have another call. Yeah. Oh,
3: yes. It, but before that, That's I just thought no, of something then. else I really liked. All right. Thanks, Sorry. I just thought of something else I really liked this week was um, uh, somebody po- pointing out that Alistair and Shula had managed to get every Mr. and Mrs. question wrong.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, that was a big thing. Uh, after you and, and Robert last week went on about. Oh, that, yes, yeah, Kerry, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, it was it was all, all on our Twitters, wasn't it?
3: Oh yes, and also we forgot to address Catherine's point about um um about uh, Robert and his endless injuries. Yes, we're giving him <laughs> we're giving him some time to recuperate, to get over his various head injuries, pubis injuries, <laughs> and any of the bits himself. <laughs> to be so he will return like Iron Man, fully indestructible mm-hmm. when he's got over everything. <laughs> Managed to go a week without snapping something. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so, Oh, was, um, yes, Witherspoon.
1: All uh, right, oh, cool. All right, <laughs> go. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Last week, I noted the return of the Shakespearean drama of the Grundy Brothers, and Robert mentioned that the game show Mr. and Mrs. kicked it all off. He wanted to ask me about the American version of it. I chuckled because it was exactly what I was thinking about at that very moment. The iconic 1960s and 70s show was called The Newlywed Game, hosted by Bob Eubank, and featured four couples competing for that fridge-freezer. The host was famous for using the (laughs) euphemistic term making whoopee, and it took me a few years as a kid to understand the question, have you ever made whoopee underwater? Anyway, it seems that the scriptwriters have grown bored with Nick and Emma being bosom buddies. In the critical scene, Will was his typical obnoxious and chauvinistic self, and Ed was reluctantly going along with Emma, who surprised me with her insight and sensitivity, as I'm not always her biggest fan. But what surprised me the most was Nick's personality transplant. I was so ready for her to assert herself against her husband's wishes, to accept Emma's fig leaf, and for them to hug it out. But no, she rejected her sister-in-law's peace overture. What motivated Nick there? I, for one, don't know. I'd like the writers to greater flesh out Nick's decision so that it makes sense to us. In the meantime, we again have the Montagues and the Capulets, but both with the surname of Grundy. Remember all... There's still Sticky Fingers George, who's now nearly 13 to think about. (laughs) He, along with Ben and Rory, should be making their re-debuts one of these days. And this psychiatrist is worried that he's going to be one screwed up kid. What do you think? Talk to you all Mm -hmm. soon. Mm.
2: Uh, Couldn't agree more. He's going to be a proper proper basket case, but uh, an interesting and a compelling character because of it.
3: My God him and Henry can you imagine <laughs> jesus
2: yeah you 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 literally have um you know, the the makeups of a kind of mass killers on your hands there don't you
3: you, you really do you really do mm. <laughs> um it's quite interesting that in, in in on mr and mrs in the uk mm. with a spoon the most the most exciting question that Derek Beatty would ever ask is what kind of sandwich filling do you think she's her favourite? <laughs> and you had, have you ever had sex underwater? Flipping Nora. <laughs> Just shows the difference I feel between our two continents. Um I think mm-hmm. Nick did it because um because she felt that she had to be loyal to Will. Because what um I might be very sad and go back and listen to that episode again, actually. But I think it, it was Emma saying, oh, Will, you're just a massive suck up. You're just sucking up like mad to, to uh, Brian. You can't resist it. You're, you know, you just want to um, uh, uh, sort of um, go along with, with the, the you do anything to protect the boss, blah, 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 blah. And that re- for some reason that really hurt Nick or that sort of hit a vulnerable um point and i think she she just felt that she could not that by going with emma she would because she did, because emma had attacked will by siding with emma she had she would absolutely be being so disloyal to um to will that she couldn't do it mm. especially after all that chat that they'd had with him saying that's why i chose you because you're nice and you're this and you're that and we've got we can we've got a good marriage and we can tell each other anything and i think in the back of her head she thought right well if that's what he thinks then that's what that's what it is then mm. you know what? I,
2: I i don't know i i, I don't know i kind of get the impression that what you see is what you get with with nick and and i and i like her all the more i, I like the character shall we say all the more because of that that she doesn't mm. appear Though that actually she actually she has done before hasn't she she has stood up to to him she has stood up to will and basically oh yeah, 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 lots yeah. Of times. but like yeah. in the in the last three four months absolutely not you know and and i and I go back to that scene where she goes round to Jennifer and says that, you know, I I, I, I forget exactly what happened, it's something to do with the birds and the beaters or something or another. And she says, you know, Will didn't, didn't screw up. And, you know, the shoot wasn't good because
3: it was the dogs, it was the dogs getting, it was Justin Elliott's friends, dogs getting loose and um, upsetting the pheasants, which meant they all left one particular. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, so so uh, yeah, so the shoot w- wasn't good because of it. Um, but that showed such showed the strength actually of, of their relationship and that she had absolutely had his back she knew that because of his but
3: that was before this conversation mm. she when she was when she got really really overly uh, more upset than would be normal in that conversation with will when he was saying nice things to her mm. and he said why are you crying and she said because you don't normally say stuff like this and I think that kind of made her not appreciate him more. God help us, but it it made her think he really does love me. He might be, he might have massive faults, but he really does love me. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of switched her to thinking she was going to defend him, come what may.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a horrible shit bag, right? And he's just uh, <laughs> he is, and he's a wrong and is a wrong and as as a human being. But he he is a good good character. I just hope that he doesn't get painted with any more darker shades because it just would just, you know, you, then you literally just need to just boo and hiss whenever he, he, he comes on the radio. But we don't
3: want to roll and lights, light, do we? Well, I mean, we've, he, you
2: know, he is, he's on the spectrum, isn't he? He's mm, definitely on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, we, and I think the script writers need to be careful that they don't push him any further down the spectrum because it yeah. is just, yeah. it will not be um, believable. For us as the listeners to have two such evil, evil cads in quick succession, you know, just think, just where he is right now. Um, I, I think he's just just about believable and stuff. And uh, and I love the whole dynamic as I said, I, I'm glad this is all happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's all right having, yeah. having sweetness and light and stuff, but the Grundy boys are just not supposed to like each other. Full stop. So, right, no. <laughs> uh, you so do Claire from Clapham now?
4: Yes. I dump to dump. It's Claire from Clapham here. Uh, not much to say about The Archers this week, except I was pleased to hear Emma extend the hand of friendship to Nick. Uh, really sad to hear Nick not feeling able to take it, which I think she would have done if it wasn't for Will being weird and controlling. Um, that's oh, shades of Rob all over again. Anyway, but on happier themes, uh, what an amazing day at the Academic Arches Conference, Uh, it was just the best. Thank you so much to Cara and Nicola for organising it, to everyone who was there, who spoke, who talked to me at the break, who were there in the audience. What a great bunch of people. Uh, I just had the most marvellous time and uh, it made me think about what an intelligent, knowledgeable, slightly mad, welcoming community we are and long may it last. And uh, really chuffed that Dumpty Dum is a part of that. And I was just thrilled uh, to meet uh, uh, Christine Armstrong, the uh, around the world cyclist. Uh, that was one of my most exciting moments of the day. Um, nice to meet Dumpty Dummers in real <laughs> life. Uh, so yeah, really, really good day. And uh, thanks to everybody involved. Ooh. Bye then, Claire.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to go next year, Arloos?
3: I am. I am, I am, I am. I was going to go this this Mm -hmm. year, but uh, it was in half term. And uh, so that was kind of complicating things. And then I was poorly sick and I could not go anywhere. So I missed the whole thing.
2: Are you better now? I am, thank you. Good, good, good. Yes. Um, Ruth and Pip. I liked that. (laughs) <laughs> good well, i just feel that we spent a lot of time on the grundies you know it is it is called yes. the archers after all this thing that we love so, which bit of ruth well, and pip did the you like but ruth gave pip a dressing down didn't she you know we're yeah. not just gonna
3: and she sounded proper wobbly as well didn't yeah, she yeah pip?
2: absolutely it was it was yeah. a great bit of writing and you felt the pent-up anger and frustration that Ruth was yeah. having yeah. and then she just let her have yeah. it with both barrels
1: and even when she let her yeah. have it
2: she was somewhat I think nice about it by saying I was not superwoman, I was not super yeah. there was times when I just wanted to like you know forget all about you and whatever I wasn't I couldn't pull my weight on the on the farm I was putting pressure on other people, I was not super etc etc you know and then she comes around to saying well you know don't think we're going to be here for you let alone you you're not you're a 103 year old uh, you know grandmother etc etc yeah, i yeah. <laughs> just thought that was brilliant and you you felt you know uh pip's top lip quiver and her just like you know feels yeah, so yeah. uneasy you know yeah. we have a go at the character of, of pip all the time and and she does her, ha- and you and and you rightly um, talk about her the actor's delivery, vocal delivery. But actually, she acted that little scene out the skin there. That that was that was brilliant.
3: Oh, I think she's a really good actress. It's just it's just the way, the sometimes she has an unusual way of delivering mm. lines, or a way just an unusual delivery. Uh, that,
2: that 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 was brilliant, and and I and I loved all of that, and I kind of. I know I frequently say there's too much farming in this thing, right? But I actually kind of quite like the whole parlour thing and to get that mm. insight into the different way of, um, you know, you know milking the cows, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and I suppose that's the reason why there is the agricultural, you know, editor there to to, to flesh out those bits and stuff. So, uh, the, So the rural folk that listen to this actually do kind of connect with it. Yeah. And I I just find that a fascinating insight. But I just I, I loved uh when Ruth has given it to her. I thought that was brilliant. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. Um shall we uh start to slowly but surely uh wrap this up, Lucy, by going and having yes. an ad break and then I can sl- and then you can tell people during the ad break all about your wonderful walkie talkie,
1: can't you? <laughs>
5: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
2: If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled s u d i o sweden.com and simply put in the code d t d when purchasing a pair of headphones.
3: Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest. And there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other. And the group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because... There's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day. And you can get some really startling insights into people's lives. Because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog. And also if things get a bit, you know emotional or a bit too close you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way it's an intriguing sort of mixture with people's permission obviously I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk so this is walkie talkie I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you in the forest.
2: Right then, shall we now have a social media roundup from our Millie Bell? Yes. Aye.
5: G'day everyone. Well, lots happening on the forum this week. We had a very naughty Valentine's Day poem from Martin Lightburn. Uh, we didn't get any responses to that, but he's put a lot of effort into it. It's uh, it's very amusing, so get on there and have a bit of a read. Uh, we also continue the discussion about Josh, and that's livening up again, so please get involved in that. Uh, there was a, also a discussion about Neil. No, 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 not Neil. Uh, he's obviously very popular, and... Uh, People are not wanting him to be the one that's bumped off. And I'm not really sure why we're talking about losing a character because I haven't seen that forewarned, but maybe you have. Uh, And, of course, I love Neil too, so I don't want him lost. Uh, Also a discussion started by Lady Barbarella about Alice the middle-class drinker. Um, that's certainly the gift that keeps on giving at the moment, isn't it? And also some talk about the Academic Archers Conference, which I was following on Facebook and I was so, uh, you know, I really would love to be there. I wish it wasn't quite so far away. And <laughs> not really sure that they're going to be doing an Archers one in Australia. Yeah, a bit of an, a minority fan base here. But anyway, um, if you did go, very jealous and we'd love to hear about it on our Facebook page. On our Facebook page, which I was talking about, fantastic segue, Millie Bell. Uh, we <laughs> wondered whether if uh, Susan left her job that Nick could apply for it and Heidi Griffiths pointed out that Emma works in the tea room, so maybe not. Um, and Teresa de Billot said Kate needs a manager for her yurts, which I'd completely forgotten about. And what is happening with that storyline? So good point there. Uh, Witherspoon wondered whether the scriptwriters are trying to soften Will's hard edges a bit without changing his basic view of the world uh melody syracusa said i don't see will being softened up i see will trying to isolate nick you don't need a job no. we're all you need just stay home take care of the kids make my meals never see any of your friends and always remember that emma is jealous of us i must admit melody i actually don't think he's supportive at all either in fact i think he's a little bit dangerous but anyway Jared pearson said i think he's a hat-tipping yes master toadying relic of a feudal age and also a weapons-grade bellend. They can try to suffer him all they like, but he's still someone I wouldn't even give the time of day to at the pub. Lots more in that vein, and uh, we'd love you to get still get involved in that thread and see what you think. Uh, we uh, Witherspoon also wanted to know what people thought of Jolene letting go of Nick. Denise Tomlinson said it was totally understandable on the face of it. On the other hand, would Nick have kicked off like that at work? Not sure she would. Denise, I'm totally with you. It was so, so out of character. And in fact, later on, as we know, her response to Emma trying to solve things also didn't make sense to me. Jenny Allen also said, I don't think she has. Sounded like Nick heard Jolene say she was going to rearrange shifts, so she wasn't on for a while. And she took that as meaning uh, that she wouldn't have um, a job mm-hmm. behind the bar. Um, No, I think she got that she doesn't have a job anymore. At least that's certainly what it looks like to all of us, especially with giving Toby her shifts. Um, And I had pointed out that if you tell two different fit to two staff members in the same tiny village, they will inevitably find out. Uh, Joanne Smith said wasn't she just being discreet by telling Toby that Nick wasn't available clearly Nick was well aware that there isn't really a shortage of work but it's none of Toby's business why Nick isn't getting any hours right now telling him a fib keeps him from knowing Nick's personal business unless she herself chooses to tell him Yep, look, you're right, Joanne, and uh, I'm sure Jolene was doing her best in the circumstances, but she still wasn't being honest. And I just think in a small village, and I live in a small town, these things get out, um, so you have to find a better way to do it. Uh, We also talked about on, uh, I think it was February the 14th here, Brian, headless chook, tackless twonk, have I missed anything? Because (laughs) just before that meeting, uh, he was really behaving strangely and, you know, a bit silly, I thought. And Martin Vanden Heuvel said, once more we've got our fair share of shouting last night, but hey-ho, it's actors doing a lot of shouting on The archers Month. The editors' way of thank, thanking us loyal fans for our support. And there are some other answers on the thread, but I did rather love that one. Uh, we also talked about uh, the Valentine's Day. Look, I'm going to tell you here and now, that episode of Valentine's Day was way too soppy for me. Really, I haven't got time in my life for that crap. You know, 13 minutes I didn't need. However, I was very much in the minority. With a spoon, who I do know is a romantic. I loved the episode. Um, Claire Cadogan pointed out that she was a bit worried about Joe after that episode. Um, Guy Ladbrook said if I didn't like archers because he thought it was at its finest, he suggested EastEnders for me. Uh, I just don't like Soppy, I like the rest of the archers though. Uh, Glynn Fuller Love also quite liked it. Um, look, lots and lots on that thread. Please do get involved. So, a reminder, you can speak to us on the forum or you can speak to us on Facebook. Either way, we don't mind. We want to talk to you. It's a fantastic way to get involved with 1,700 other people who have the same interest as you. So until next week, this is Millie Bell saying, hooroo. Oh, well done,
2: Millie Bell. Thank you for that, as always. Uh, Luce, uh, do you want to hit us with some uh, tremendous tweets of the last seven days?
3: I shall. Um, When I can find the right bit of the script. Where am I? Yes, the cross fox. Is Joe going to die in Nick's arms, chewing a lump of cheddar and doing the Fandango? (laughs) (laughs) Any tweet that has the word Fandango in it is a winner as far as I'm concerned. Bucky Swires said, My thoughts on Toby fluctuate regularly between selfish idiot to well-meaning idiot. I can't seem to shift the idiot bit though. I understand that. Uh, Noy Grufty. I just impulse bought some kefir. I blame Susan Carter. It looks like someone has already drunk it once. Uh, Paul Truman Uh said, When I picture Philip, I see a slightly sweaty-faced, flappy-handed Welsh sex octopus. (laughs) The hell does a Welsh sex octopus look like? And he also said, No one in the history of radio has ever sounded this excited about a Wednesday night out in Stoke-on-Trent. That was when uh, Clary and Eddie were going off to see Jersey Boys, and final one tweet of the week: John Kavanagh.
2: Mm. You're right. Yeah, I was just saying. Mm. I was just waiting. That's mm, a of yeah. anticipation.
3: John Kavanagh, this is a long one. This is <clears> a, <throat> a this is a tour de force. This is John Kavanagh. Roy, what did you find with Philip Blue Tits? Kirsty, it was certainly cold. Roy, bitten. Kirsty, well, gently nibbled. Roy, lark. Kirsty, we certainly did. Roy, swallow. Goose. Kirsty, oh, yes it. to both. Roy, thrush. Kirsty, thankfully, no. <laughs> Very good, John Cavs. Good that was amazing.
2: Heavens, that, that was amazing. That's going to tweet the month. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks um dum-de-dum uh go there it's got shop um it's also got uh tractor and our good people at tractor that that kind of make make that for us so they've upgraded the server that to switch it off and on again or some another or we'll hit the machine where where it comes out of but it's all better and faster now so so thank you uh for doing that but also if you want to see a little tiny bit of the academic arches, the bit where everybody does the dumdy dum. Uh, go on to dum dot com, and it will be on the homepage by the time that um, you um, are listening to this on the podcast. So, so dumdydum dot com, um, and then I've forgotten uh, what to say next. So then, oh, do you want to read something out in red there, Lucy?
3: Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. Um, If you would like to help, (laughs) think a little show on the road. Oh God, there are two ways this could be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on the site or you can sponsor us via patreon.com.
2: And remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe, uh, which is on our website, or you can call us on 02030313105. Now, I do know that um, every now and then, um, folks, um, crumbs was that you gave lots of
3: messages, Roy?
2: Oh, you. Me. Oh okay. Um, now I do know that um, every now and then um, our um, visually impaired uh, listeners have problems using the speak pipe. and I know that we have a listener um, in the US who is blind, who wants to call in. So if you are outside of the UK, it's plus four four. Two zero three zero three one three one zero five. So you can; it does work internationally, and it's uh, if you leave it to a couple of minutes, uh, the cost of the call shouldn't bankrupt you. So if you are visually impaired and can't use SpeakPipe, um, use that number. Or if um, you, 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 your, eyes, your eyes work, great, use that number outside of the outside of the UK. If by any chance you cannot um, use SpeakPipe, um, on social media you can find me and Lucy at dumdidum uh, Lucy is at Lu- oh, Lu- oh, fuck Lucy
3: it. V Freeman <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I can be found at Royfield on Facebook. You can go and join the Millie Bell and Witherspoon uh, Three Ring Circus and uh, go join um, all those wonderful people who like hanging out on Facebook and um, having fun talking about the archers. We didn't really talk about Black Panther, Lucy. We managed to get to the end without me waxing lyrical about how wonderful it was uh, just to be part of um, an event. And I don't to be all kind of like, oh, you know, maybe proud to be black and all that kind of malarkey. I'm going to put that completely to one side. But what I would say is that for a film which is fundamentally um, a Marvel movie, shed load of politics and a whole load of, of emotion and a compelling believable uh antagonist and you know and i just you know i'm not saying that will Gu- will grundy's killmonger right but uh <laughs> having someone who's a baddie but his motivation makes sense and you go mm, yeah you've got a point there right and you were done wrong uh makes for the portrayal of the antagonist. Um, much more believable. So, I, you know, it just kind of goes back to what I was saying before, that I think um, we have to be careful, at least the scriptwriters have to be careful how much um, malice and vitriol they, they throw at the character Will Grundy because he will just become totally a caricature. And I think he's bordering on it now. But when you think of the fact that his brother, who is never really liked, you know, went off with his wife, you know, well, there is reason for him just to be, the, the hateful little shitbag that he is, really. But hey, Black Panther, uh, you don't need me to be an advocate for it. Um, it, it it's a wonderful piece of, of movie making, and and um, one of the great things also about it is that you even get intra back politics. You know, you got the. Uh, African Americans and an African, and the difference between them, and how they see the world, etc. You know, it's all there, Lucy. All there, Lucy. Go, 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 see it, and then come back and tell me next week what you thought about it. Okay, awesome. All right, then, Toodaloo. bye.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?